At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is our number three of the look at right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And we've got a tremendous final hour for you guys. I'm going to be talking a little NBA. And then in the final segment, I'm going to be giving you guys my picks and analysis for the national title game that is going to be coming up between North Carolina and Kansas. So we've got you set there. And along the way, we're going to have a pair of great guests, Matt Peralta. He does a great thing with the Bostonian versus the the Bostonian versus the bookmaker. He does that with a few of our good buddies out there. He's over there at props.com. He is going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be chatting with him. We're also going to be joined by Randy McKay, who is out there in the wonderful city of New Orleans for the final four. Gentleman that hails from the great, I guess you call it God's country. He is out there in North Dakota. So he is a man that is absolutely tremendous and a sharp when it comes to just taking a look at college hockey as well. We're going to be joined by Emmy. He's going to be apparently exiting an Imagine Dragons con- te- conference. So that is going to be interesting. I have not been to a concert in like many, many years. So I'm going to need to ask him for his top five Imagine Dragons songs. And we wound up seeing this come along the wire as well. This happened a little bit earlier in the day, but... You no longer need to handicap Frank Gore. He has decided that he is going to be retiring from the NFL. They always put together some of these lists whenever an older gentleman winds up retiring from a sport. And I think I saw on the list for Frank Gore that the number one selling movie at the theaters when he was drafted by the San Francisco 49ers was Gone with the Wind. So he is going to be transitioning into a new role. So we don't need to worry about Frank Gore anymore. Absolutely tremendous career. He certainly deserves to be a Hall of Famer in my opinion but we will see with regards to that but about if we wind up diving into the NBA now and what we're going to be actually getting with regards to a betting perspective because it's very intriguing to just take a look at everything that we've got with regards to the association and we were talking about it a little bit earlier with Will Hill and everything that we're going to be seeing with regards to the Eastern Conference and I do think that this is a case in which you want to be looking a little bit more matchup by matchup I've been feeling a little bit more warm about the Milwaukee Bucks and what they've been able to do. And it has been absolutely tremendous. And we're a little bit robbed on Monday because, well, we've got no games on the slate for Monday. So that means that your only option for being able to bet on basketball, that is going to be with regards to college. But you take a look at how things are sitting right now with regards to Eastern Conference. You've got the Miami Heat currently as the one seed. They are currently two games clear of the Boston Celtics who, the season ended today. They would actually be the two seed. And 
if I'm looking at any value with regards to the Eastern Conference, I honestly do think that the Chicago Bulls, who are right now 35 to 1 to win the conference, I don't think that they should be like the favorite or anything like that. But 35 to 1 just does seem a little bit lofty, in my opinion. I think that this is a Bulls team that's been getting a little bit disrespected now. The injuries have certainly piled up for the Bulls. They were expecting that Patrick Williams be out there in the fold for this team throughout the season. You have seen the recovery of Lonzo Ball wind up being a little bit slower than many people would have expected. He's been out really since the middle of January, but it seems like he's going to be able to ramp things back up. There's a good chance that he'll be able to partake in most of, if not all, the postseason. And Hey, while he's been out of the fold, Ayodesumu has been able to do some relatively solid things here with the Chicago Bulls. A guy that's been a little bit up and down, but that's been able to bury 37% of his threes, a guy that has been a pretty consistent force for the team out there in the backcourt. So I do take a look at the Bulls, and I do think that they could present some matchup issues. Now, the one thing that you've got with the Bulls, and it's very pronounced, and it's been very clear, they just have not done a good job against the better teams in the conference. It's been a case in which they've been beating up on a lot of these bad teams, and then whenever you wind up seeing a little bit more of a step-up game, been a little bit tough. They were able to write some of these demons a few nights ago when they were able to go on the road and take down the Cleveland Cavaliers and they did wind up having a win a little bit earlier in the month as well against the Toronto Raptors but that's that when they've won up against teams like the Milwaukee Bucks, when they've won up against the Phoenix Suns who wound up seeing it just on Saturday against Miami Heat certainly has been a case in which things have not necessarily been so great for them so I do think that their game on Tuesday against the Bucks just being able to have a good showing in general is going to be big because last time these two teams matched up, it was a 126-98 shellacking. And it's been a case in which the Bulls' defense has been a little bit inconsistent. It was solid towards the beginning part of the season. More here in the back half of the season it has really waned. I do think that you're going to need to get a little bit more out of Nikolai Vucevic because, as we know, it's been a case in which Jamar DeRozan has been able to do a nice job of being able to carry this team. But without Lonzo Ball, it's been a little bit tougher for this bunch, Vucevic has been able to do a relatively solid job down low. A little bit of a floor spacer, but we've seen his three-point shooting percentage be very come and go as he's now shooting right around 32% for the season. So has been a little bit of a difficult situation there. But we were talking about it with Will Hull, the fact that we both really feel bullish about the Milwaukee Bucks. And there's just no reason why the odds should be so close between the Milwaukee Bucks along with the Brooklyn Nets to be able to win the Eastern Conference. And if you take a look at odds to be able to win the title itself, both the Nets and the Bucks are at plus 550 right now at DraftKings. And this is just absolutely absurd. You've got a Brooklyn Nets team that literally has a sub 500 record at home. Now, I recognize that the talent is there with the Nets. And now you've got Kyrie Irving who's able to play in all the games. He no longer needs to be a part-time performer. But do you know what we're going to be able to get out of out of Ben Simmons moving forward because I certainly do not. I think that that's a case of which if you're able to get anything out of him, that's absolutely terrific. But boy, oh boy, I mean, man, that's just been a little bit of a saga in and of itself. And even when it comes to the best of the best, it's a case where you've got to be taking a look at experience, just taking a look at chemistry itself. And it still matters. You wind up seeing it even with Team USA with some of the games that they wanted playing last year. They wound up losing out here in Las Vegas to countries like Nigeria. Now, they came back, and once they wound up getting their full allotment of pieces, they were able to win the gold medal. But, I mean, in every form of basketball, college basketball, the NBA, the Olympics, heck, AAU teams, 
You just can't put a team together, expect them to instantly have chemistry. And that's sort of what you've been having with the Brooklyn Nets because these guys just have not been able to play together all season long. You've had a bunch of injuries. You've had a bunch of ailments when it comes to this team. I mean, you take a look at it and Kevin Durant has been out for a long time. James Harden has had his injuries here to put this into perspective. The Brooklyn Nets have played 78 games so far this year. There is one player on the roster that has missed fewer than 10 games this year. And that would be Patty Mills. And I mean, I like Patty Mills. He's a nice sharp shooter, but I mean, that just goes to show how little consistency you have had with this team all season long, because you've just got a bunch of different pieces trying to play together. They're a little bit undersized as well. So it's been a big giant issue for this team. You need Andre Drummond to be able to give you a little bit more as obviously always been a tremendous rebounder, but really doesn't do a lot other than rebound. You've had a case in which LaMarcus Aldridge has been out of the fold for a little bit for this team as well. That has put them a little bit behind the eight ball as well. Joe Harris not being healthy throughout the entirety of the season as he's a good sharpshooter at one averting them as well. So you're able to go on and on down the list and it's just been injury after injury with this team. You even saw it on Saturday. Kevin Durant wound up putting up north of 50 points in that game against the Atlanta Hawks, but because everyone else on the roster gave him a big giant nothing burger, that just led to the Nets not being able to get the job done in that spot as well. And the defense has not been good with the Nets, even though you've got pretty much Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and absolutely nobody else giving you anything on offense. So I see a lot of issues with this team. Now, the one team I think could be a little bit of a sizzler and the team that I think could be intriguing is the Boston Celtics. I'll need to get the thoughts of Matt Peralt on the other side of this as well. He's a man that does a good job of being able to follow Boston athletics in general, but I take a look at it. And I feel like they do rely a little bit too much on Jason Tatum. And I do think that the injury situation for the team is something that cannot be swept under the rug as well, because whenever you've had fully healthy and fully firing all cylinders, Marcus Williams or Robert Williams, that has been solid for the team. A guy that is able to be a nice rim protector, a guy that's able to give you something on the glass, which has been important for this Boston Celtics team, but it's really been Jason Tatum's team and Jason Tatum's team alone. Al Horford has been able to integrate himself into the starting lineup and had a solid performance against Washington Wizards on Sunday, was able to be a big part of a 144 to 102 win, a plus minus of 34 from him. But you've got to wonder if night in, night out, he's going to be able to continue that performance. I will say, what you've been able to get out of the bench, out of some of these guys like a Peyton Pritchard, even take a look at someone like a Derek White, who's been able to have 13 points per contest. That has been able to give this team a little bit more versatility. It's been able to give just different looks in general. So I do think that that's been solved with the Boston Celtics. But if you take a look at one team that I feel like they really rely upon one guy more than others, aside from obviously the Nets with what we've been seeing with Kevin Durant here recently, it certainly is this Boston Celtics team. So I do feel like there's a little bit of a glass ceiling with them. I do think that it's very important that they do wind up holding on to that two spot as well, because the later that they would have to face off against the Brooklyn Nets, I do think it's probably going to be a little bit better for them as well. And the reason why I am still a little bit bullish on the Bucks as well is that it feels like... At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. While so many of these scenes are sort of just trying to get by, you can tell that maybe they might be wanting to avoid the Brooklyn Nets. I think that the Bucks are sort of a team that is in bring it on mode and something that is not going to be jumping out with regards to a spreadsheet, a stat sheet, anything like that. It's just the will of a team, the makeup that you've got inside the locker room. And the Milwaukee Bucks have been hearing for a full year that the title that they wound up getting last year, oh, it was one in which it was fluky. You wound up having the Kevin Durant foot on the line. You only wound up having the faceoff against the Phoenix Suns. And I feel like they've sort of been using that as fuel. You've also been looking at Giannis Antetokounmpo, his overall game, him now being able to knock down threes a little bit more prevalently. Last season, there was always the road teams that were counting his seconds at the free throw line. He has been much more sure-handed at the charity stripe as well. He has certainly been able to get better. And I think as a result, the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be able to get a little bit better with that regard as well. And we do have Mr. Boston coming up next, Matt Peralt. He does a great job with Bostonian versus a bookie. He does a great job with regards to props.com as well. He's going to be joining me. We're going to need to talk a little bit about the Celtics. If we've got time, we'll try to fit in there a little bit of Red Sox talk as well. That's up next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. Wendy's Breakfast is the official breakfast of March Madness. Every day, choose from Wendy's stack starting lineup like the Breakfast Baconator, Croissant Combos, and Hot and Cold Coffee. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends oven-baked sizzling bacon, fresh cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and a Simply OJ to be able to bring it home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive through and pick up your Wendy's Breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely and choose Wendy's as we're back here on the lookout with myself, Greg Eves Peterson, and it is great to be joined by Matt Peralt in studio. He's actually here this weekend here at Circa. Robert Bash obviously lives in the city as well. And Matt, got to ask you, I just mentioned it. You were at Bet Bash this weekend. What has been your overall thoughts of it? Because I know that you guys have had some great interactions over there at Legacy Club. Mm. I know that you guys were over there at Stadium Swim watching the final four games and from everything I've been hearing, it's just been an amazing event in general. Yeah, it really has been an interesting look at where the industry is because I think it's a really cool chance to see bookmakers, gamblers, and media all interacting together. I think sometimes there's a separation between the three, and this is sort of a way of taking down some of the barriers, some of the walls that, in particular, from professional gamblers and bookmakers, maybe there's an, you know, you see a name, you see a number put a face to it, put a person to it. They become a human being. And it changes, I think, the dynamic between the two sides. So I think this has been a really productive three days. Oh, absolutely. I'm right there with you because sometimes you wind up hearing nothing but the good. Sometimes you wind up hearing nothing but the bad as well. So I do think that this is an absolutely terrific networking event. I know that Spanky, someone who yep. wound up putting this on, has just put 
hours upon hours of work into it. So nothing but respect to what he's been able to do here this weekend out here in Las Vegas. And actually the second best bash as yeah. the first one wound up happening over there in the East Coast during the summertime. So nothing but terrific things to say there. And speaking of the East Coast, I know that you're a man that you do a great job of being able to follow Boston sports teams and was just talking about it in the last segment, the fact that the Eastern Conference out there in the NBA, it's going to be a really intriguing race in general. I'm feeling a little bit more warm about the Milwaukee Bucks with the way that Giannis has looked a little bit better at the free throw line, has been able to knock down some threes. And a team that I think is very intriguing is a team that you follow quite closely as well. The Boston Celtics, if things wound up wrapping up today, they will be the two-seed out mm-hmm. east. And I do think that they are a team that maybe they rely a little bit too much on Jason Tatum, but what is your overall thoughts on them? Because I do take a look at this Boston Celtics team, and I feel much better about them now than I would have even two or so months ago. It's funny. So the show I do with Dave Sherapan is called The Bostonian versus The Book. Yes. Right? So I am the Bostonian. Dave Sherapan <laughs> is The Book. So coming into this conversation, you have to understand that there's a bias built into whatever I'm going to say about the Boston Celtics. But I have been so blown away by our show began on December the 13th, and I was just like, Udoka's getting fired. Brad Stevens made a gigantic mistake. What did he do? This team's awful. This team can't score. They hate each other. Tatum and Brown have to be broken up. It's not going to be successful. And then they go on a 25-4 and run, and it's like, wait a second. They might be the best team in the Eastern Conference. So whatever happened, whether it was the removal of a certain player in Dennis Schroeder, whether it was they bought in, Marcus Smart became the defensive player of the year in the NBA. Whatever happened, they completely threw the switch, and then Robert Robert Williams got hurt. And that's the big concern for anybody backing the Celtics going into the postseason is that their starting five defensively might be the best starting five in the East and or the NBA, and they don't have it at the moment. So the question is, can they survive the first round to get him back? from the MCL injury. He had surgery. It's four to six weeks. Some people were saying like, yeah, it's four to six weeks, but really it's the whole postseason. I'm not buying that. Celtics normally don't lie about this type of stuff. And the fans would be really angry if they were lied to, like you knew ahead of time, he wasn't going to come back. So if he comes back in the second round, I think, look, I I bet the Celtics at four to one to win it all. I have a future on the Suns and I have a future on the Celtics. And I think that could be your, your NBA finals. I would favor the Suns to win it in that situation. But Boston is very much alive. And if you look at where the seedings are going to be, I mean, if you get a number one seed Miami Heat up against a 10-seeded Brooklyn Nets, and the fact that one of those two teams get knocked out, now it's Milwaukee and Boston, right? I mean, it's still Miami or the winner of that series, but you start to see how Boston's path might open up. But Giannis is Giannis. Yes, I'm right there (laughs) with you there. And I do think that out of everything in the East, what I think is so intriguing is that this – the Brooklyn Nets have just continued to be towards the top of the odds board. Now, going into the season, I felt like they should be the top team, but they shouldn't have been as big of a favorite as they have been. And I just feel like every step of the way, the bookmakers have been a little bit too high on the Brooklyn Nets. And I continue to feel the same way. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on Brooklyn, but I mean, I just take a look at the fact that Kevin Durant puts up 55 plus points against the Atlanta Hawks, mm-hmm. and they still wind up losing that game. And I don't think that you can have anything other than red flags right now with this Brooklyn Nets team. And I can't take a look at them on the futures board. It's a seven game series, obviously, right? So what happens over seven games has to be taken into account. And I think people's biases factor into the numbers. I don't know what people think Ben Simmons is going to do. Like, is he all of a sudden going to come in and this whole team plays completely differently with Ben Simmons? I don't think so. I don't know how you can back Brooklyn or feel good about backing Brooklyn, given the fact that they're completely erratic. 
Defensively, they're not that good on top of that. And I still say this. I, I can't believe that Seth Curry was included in that deal. And I think they're lacking that outside threat, that guy who can just go off and hit two or three threes, break up a defensive run, give that defense a little bit of a reprieve. They don't have it anymore. And I just, I look at that team and I'm not, look, it's Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, okay? I'm not saying I'm not afraid of them. But I, if, I'm play, if I'm playing over a seven-game series, Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, they both, all three of those teams can win. Yep, I'm right there with you. I do think that it's a case in which the Nets certainly have talent, but man, you need to get something other than Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant at some point in the series. And to put it into perspective as well, I brought this up in the last segment as well. There's only one player on the Nets that has missed fewer than 10 games this year, and that's Patty Mills. So Oof. that just tells you right there that chemistry, it does need to matter a little bit. Obviously, you don't need to have all these guys playing like 82 games together or anything like yeah. that, but at the end of the day, it is something that does need to be taken into account and something that I need to take into account with regards to the MLB as well as what we're going to be fighting with <laughs> regards to the national, the, the American League East because you've got the Boston Red Sox who wanted to make in the postseason last year. A lot of people are very high on the Toronto Blue Jays and rightfully so. They wound up having a good year last year, wound up just missing out in the postseason. The New York Yankees, I feel like they might be the biggest boomer bust team mm. in the MLB this season. And then the Tampa Bay Rays, well, that team is just a machine right there. But you're a man that you just mentioned it. It's Bostonian versus <laughs> the book. You've got yourself a take on the Boston Red Sox coming into the year. You felt good about their win total over last year. Yeah. And that wound up hitting. How do you feel about it this year? Because in my opinion, the American League East is probably the most loaded division that you're going to find out there in Major League Baseball with those top four teams and then the Baltimore Orioles, but I think it's going to be very fascinating to see what you wind up getting out of this Red Sox team. Yeah, I understand the professional play on the under. I do. Last year, I was really high because it was 76 and a half for Boston. And I was like, give me a break. You don't bring back Alex Cora to go and lose, you know, 85 games. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. This team's a little bit different. You've got 85, 86 wins being projected. Chris Sale, who knows when he's going to wind up coming back. We're not sure yet as to when he's going to pitch for the Red Sox. Their starting rotation is iffy. Their bullpen is okay. I love their lineup, okay? I love Trevor Story, I think, is going to be a really big addition to this team. I know people are worried about, well, his splits outside of Colorado weren't that great. I think he's going to pepper the wall and be a really big bat in that lineup. But I'm, I am concerned about the pitching, and I don't know how you can't be when you're facing Tampa, New York, and the Toronto Blue Jays lineup for 18, 19 games in those series. So it's really going to come down to, I think, what Boston does against the American League East for their win total. They're going to beat up on the Central. They're going to beat up on the West. But, man, I don't know if they can get to 85, 86 wins. I think it's a 500 baseball team at the moment unless they make a very large trade to get an ace or a pitcher who can come in because when's Chris Sale pitching? May? June? I mean, it's like the Mets, the Mets situation with DeGrom. You just don't know when, you're, when your ace is going to show up. And I think that what is really intriguing as well is that a lot of these pitchers for the Red Sox they actually pitch a little bit better away from home. I take a look yeah. at a guy with Nick in Nick Pavetta. His home and road splits were very demonstrative. And the loss of Eduardo Rodriguez, I think, is big as well. Because, I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez, you take a look at the numbers like a 4-7-ish ERA. You take a look at it and you think, oh, that wasn't so great. He was 
arguably the most unlucky pitcher in all of baseball. And I think that letting him go and letting him go to Detroit, that's going to wind up hurting them. I agree. I'm on the over for Detroit wins because I love the addition of Erod there for them. I love their young talent. I think they're with Mize and Schoolboy. I think that they've got a really nice pitching rotation in Detroit now. And I think they're going to score more runs than people think, even with Mickey Cabrera. I mean, he's going to have 3,000 hits here, 13 shy of it. But, you know, he won't do a ton, but he's just still a weapon in that lineup. I think the Red Sox are just lacking what you need to compete, given the fact that the Rays are just professional, right? They they catch the ball. They don't make errors. They hit timely hits, hit and run, and they've got one of the brilliant managers in Kevin Cash in the game who knows how to really take advantage of teams. And then the Yankees are bombers. They're going to hit a million home runs like they always do. And then Toronto may have the most dangerous top one to nine lineup and maybe in the MVP coming in Vlad Jr. So, I don't know. I, I, I get why the pros are betting against the Red Sox and betting the under. I, I don't think I can't make a play on it as a Boston fan. I can't make a play on it, but I think the play would be to the under. It's going to be really interesting to see what we wind up getting out there in the American League East. And I know you're going to be covering it very well. Props.com. Bostonian versus the book is where you're able to find Matt Peralt. He does an absolutely terrific job there and join me in studio today. So big thanks to him. And coming up next, we go out to New Orleans with Randy McKay right here on VSIN Esports Bank Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The NFL Draft is right here in lovely Las Vegas, and we'll be having extensive coverage, including mock drafts from Matt Humans. Michael Lombardi, who is a former NFL MGM, is going to be given his draft analysis as well. We've got VSIN's Mike Pritchard, who was a first round pick back in the day, and Sean King, who was a Super Bowl winner, giving you insights on what you can bet on. And then the legend himself. Las Vegas Raiders play-by-play voice Brent Musburger. He's going to be given his draft best bets in the NFL draft betting guide as well. Sign up today to get full access to VEASAN through the Masters, the start of the MLB season, and of course, the NFL draft for just $19. That is at VEASAN.com slash spring. As we're back here on the lookout with myself, Greg Eves-Pearson, and now we go out to the lovely city of New Orleans. That's where we find Randy McKay. He has been following the final four all throughout one of the best in the business when it comes to just being able to take a look at a wide variety of things. Guy winds up betting on a lot of different things, winds up betting on a lot of different things, and to be able to follow him on Twitter, that's at RR and then the number 39. And Randy, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. Yeah, great to be on with you, Greg, and uh, hope everybody's doing pretty well with the bets so far in the final four. Absolutely, and it has been a tremendous Final Four. You can't get too much more history than what we wound up seeing in this Final Four. And you're out there in New Orleans taking a look at it. And I just want to ask you this first, because we noticed that in the first two games of the Final Four, you wound up having the overwind up hitting in both of them. And what have you really been seeing from both of these teams? Because typically when you wind up getting into these NFL stadiums that get converted for basketball, a lot of guys wind up struggling with their shot. And especially in game one, we did not see any of that. Yeah, Kansas uh, came out real hot and Villanova just pretty much just couldn't catch them the whole game. Um, yeah, it was a surprising uh, total. A lot of people, I know there's a lot of sharp money on the first half under and that, uh, that got blown away right away. Um, just that, uh, you know, these, uh, these domes sometimes are tough on these teams for shooting, but uh, it sure seemed like they adapted and uh, 
uh, Kansas really knocking down a lot of threes right now. That the whole team there is pretty tough to stop. So uh, I don't see that being any different in this in this game coming up. I think the pace is going to be fast, and uh, I wouldn't even uh, pay attention to any uh, under bets in this game except for uh, maybe some player props. Yep, I think that it's going to be interesting to see what we wind up getting in this game as well because you mentioned it with Kansas. They just were sizzling from three-point range in that game against Villanova. And with North Carolina, I do think that they're an intriguing bunch and that Armando Baycott has really been their top player throughout the NCAA tournament. 21 rebounds in that game. He winds up going down with the injury against Duke with about five or so minutes remaining. And then he was able to come back, really look solid. What did you wind up seeing from him in those final couple minutes after he did wind up coming back? Because right now, one of the biggest things to take a look at, in my opinion, with regards to this game, is the health of Baycott. Yeah, definitely, because North Carolina basically doesn't have any depth. They only play pretty much five, maybe even six guys, and that's it. And that's where I think Kansas has a big difference against them. Uh, Had a big bet on... uh, under on Baycott on his points, uh, 16 and a half. And uh, we'll see what they put out tomorrow. I haven't really checked in the player props, but I would definitely look to go under on him again. And the player in the, uh, as far as points goes, I would not bet under on him on rebounds. Oh, he's a monster on the boards, but usually smart enough to kick it out to the shooters and uh, get a, get a three point shot off. So, uh, Yeah, definitely under on points on Baycott, and that guy's a monster inside. And just a little bit of a note with regards to Baycott, you're going to notice this at DraftKings. I think that other books have followed suit. As of right now, he's not listed on the betting board with regards to his player props. I think that a lot of this has to do with whether or not he's going to be playing a full 40 minutes or not. I fully anticipate Baycott is going to be able to play as long as he doesn't wind up getting into foul trouble and or you don't wind up seeing something overnight where in like the pregame layup line, he winds up like turning his ankle or something like that. He should be good to go. You got to expect him to play in this game. It's a national title game. He's going to play as many minutes as humanly possible. So that's sort of the look that I wind up getting there. But with regards to the actual stylistic matchup in this game, I do think that that is going to be intriguing as well. Because one thing that I really noticed for Kansas in that game against Villanova is that David McCormick was absolutely terrific for the team. A guy that throughout the season he has not necessarily been able to live up to his billing. Many people thought that he could potentially be the big 12 player of the year that did not wind up coming to fruition during the regular season. Wound up having his moments throughout the year, but never could really put it together. What did you wind up seeing from him on Saturday? Because I think that he could be one of the bigger X factors in this game, especially if he's able to match up with Baycott. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, McCormick has been really good inside and, he really can't. He's he's come on a little bit. I think he was a little bit injured during the year, and uh, you know, so uh, I like uh, I like it. I like the matchup for Kansas in this game, and uh, I think you do too, Greg. I would uh, definitely look at uh, betting them. I think uh, was three and a half four opener, and uh, definitely look at them. Um, I got a little future on them, so I'm rooting for them, and I'll probably just root that in. I don't think I'm going to play back against it. I don't blame you there. It's one of those cases in which I've got some pool money on Kansas. I did not wind up taking a future on them, but I wound up filling them out in my bracket. Right now, all my brackets are alive. If Kansas winds up winning, I stand to win a couple hundred bucks. If Kansas winds up losing, well, I will be going home with absolutely nothing. So it's one of those cases. And I do think that it's always intriguing to take a look at this as well, because I'm sure that you wind up getting asked this. I wind up getting asked this a lot. 
There's going to be a lot of people on Monday that they're going to have Kansas futures, whether it be via their bracket pool, whether it be via taking them pre-tournament, sometime during the tournament with regards to a futures ticket, what have you. Maybe they want to firing on it a little bit earlier in the season. And when it comes to hedging, what is a little bit more of your philosophy? Because I feel like you ask 10 different people this question, you're going to get 10 different answers. So I'm always just curious with regards to the difference between yours as opposed to someone else's. Well, that, that brings up a good point. I uh, actually had a shot at winning 50,000 in the DraftKings bracket. Um, I was in, had one uh, entry with all four final four teams in it, but I had Villanova and Duke being in the finals, and that didn't work out so well. Unfortunately, I couldn't pass the guy to get in the to uh, win the million-dollar first prize. So I had a, sh- had a shot if that would have played out to win 50000 but that didn't happen. So what I'd end up doing is I ended up uh, finding the cheapest uh, Kansas money line, and I took that, and I used that as a hedge and uh, made a little, you know, played a little bit back. I made about three, 4000 on the hedge bets. So uh, that was a good first game, I guess, for me, even though I, I could have made a lot more if uh, Villanova and uh, Duke would have been in the finals. So that's, uh, and there's no uh, problem with hedging. You know, a lot of people say don't hedge and this and that, but there's uh, definitely profitable times to hedge. And with uh, Villanova's injury, I just felt like I had to do it. It's so interesting as well, because you'll hear some people being like, oh, you absolutely must lock up a profit no matter what with hedge. And then you'll see other people that say never, ever hedge like you were saying as well. So there's really two school of thoughts. I think it's all about your risk tolerance, how you wind up feeling about the game itself. Don't feel like because someone says that you must hedge and other people say that you don't, that you're a moron if you wind up taking one school of thought rather than the other. Just play it how you feel comfortable. I think that that's the best thing that you can wind up doing. And Randy, you were talking about it. It seems like you are on Kansas in this game. Are you looking a little bit more money line or are you looking to lay the points in this spot? Because we're seeing across the board right now, you're finding a lot of fours with Kansas, couple straight four and a half, but mostly seeing Kansas as a four point favorite. Yeah, I would definitely look at just probably laying the four rather than taking the money line. I think uh, Kansas will tire out and they'll, you know, and then, they got the uh, depth, whereas uh, or, uh, North Carolina, excuse me, doesn't have the depth on the uh, on the bench, and I think that's going to help out. And I think Bill Sell's plan is going to be run, run, run. And uh, even though North Cor- uh, North Carolina, excuse me, likes to run, I don't think they that will be the best interest in this game. And I think they'll tire out, and we'll see a uh, Kansas victory. Uh, probably later into the second half, and they'll probably be around anywhere from 8 to 15 points. I think that Kansas is going to be able to get it done as well. I'm looking to lay the four myself. I'm going to get into that in the final segment. And Randy, got about 45 seconds or so here. Just what has the experience in general been like in New Orleans? Since I know that you're actually coming from an Imagine Dragons concert. Oh, yeah. Anytime you can, Final Four is like one of the best events anybody could ever go to. I've been to, uh, this is about my 25th, I think. Over the years, a bunch of us go every year. There's been guys that I'm with that have been to 30 of them. So, I mean, if anybody gets a chance to go to one of these, I mean, I didn't even go to the, most of the times I don't even go to the games. I mean, it's just camaraderie of being here in the city, having fun, especially in a city like New Orleans, you can have a lot of fun. And uh, 
watching the games. And, you know, there's a lot of places where you can watch the games and feel the experience of everything. And it's a, uh, it's a great atmosphere. And uh, I can't wait for next year, you know, next year's in Houston and we've been there as well. I mean, that's a fun city as well. Being someone that actually spent a summer interning out there in Houston, I totally agree with you and Randy. Hopefully you're enjoying your time out there in New Orleans and thanks for stopping by tonight. All right, great for finally having me on, Greg, and good to be on with you. Great to have Randy McKay on. He is out there in the lovely city of New Orleans for the national title game. And coming up next, I'm going to give you guys my picks and analysis for the national title game right here on VSIN Esports Bang Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the final segment of the look at right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Big thanks to the guests that joined me in the last two segments. Matt Peralt, doing amazing work over there at Props.com, does the Bostonian versus the Book Show. That is with just Props.com in general. They do an absolutely terrific job. Dave Sherapan. He is at Bed365. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. The book on that show, he is better known as the Sports Consigliere. So great to get him aboard. And then Randy McKay, who joined me from out there in New Orleans, the site of the Final Four and the national title game. He joined aboard in the last segment as well. So big thanks to those two gentlemen. And now it is the final segment of the look at, and we'll have you covered all throughout the day here on VSIN. You've got Follow the Money, which they're going to be in for a great show as well. I know that you're going to be able to have Adam Chernoff, who's going to be joining them. Right around the first hour of the show, he's going to be joining them, talking a little bit about the upcoming NFL draft, NFL season. You're going to have lots of chatter with regards to the national title game all throughout the day. So we got you guys covered there. I'll be making a couple of appearances throughout the day myself, giving my thoughts, my analysis on this game as well. So we've got you covered from all angles. And let's get down to business. It is the national title game that is going down on Monday and it is the last game of the college basketball season as it's North Carolina, it's Kansas. Kansas now pretty much across the board. Everything is ironed out. I'm seeing pretty much four everywhere, and your total, you're finding it most spots at a 152. Circa's actually got the lone 151 and a half that I'm seeing. I'm seeing a couple 152 and a halfs as well, but mostly 152 across the board with regards to the total line. It's a spot at which I am going to be taking a look at the under. I know that a lot of people are in on the over, and we did wind up seeing both of the final four games wind up going over the total on Saturday. But you take a look at the way the Kansas defense has been playing, and it has been very prolific. 65 points or fewer in eight out of the last nine games surrendered. So they've been able to do a great job of being locked down there. And 
On top of that, you're just not going to get any cheap three-pointers with North Carolina because it's a North Carolina team that they've really been thriving on. Caleb Love being able to hit those shots late, a big reason why they were able to overcome the deficit against UCLA, big reason why they were able to get the job done against Duke on Saturday. But now they have to go up against a three-point shooting defense that prior to the Final Four in their last 14 games with Kansas had a lot of opponents to shoot just 27.2% from three-point range. I also take a look at the emergence of David McCormick as well. 25 points, nine rebounds in that game against Villanova. Now, is he going to be able to win the battle against Armando Baycott? I think that that's a little bit too big of an ask, but I don't think you need him to win the battle. I think that you just need him to be a little bit of a speed bump, not get just completely blown out of the building, and I certainly think that he's capable of that. By the way, the fact that he was like 100-1 to 1 to be the most outstanding player of the NCAA tournament at BetMGM about a week or so ago, that was just a little bit too low of a total line. If you're taking a look at odds be the most outstanding player of the tournament, it's a little bit of an intriguing market because you've got one runaway favorite right now. That'd be Oshay Obaji. Finds himself at a plus 120. From there, you've got a trio of North Carolina guys. Caleb Love and Armando Baycott are both at 5-1 to one and Brady Manick at 10-1. to one. I personally have not played this. I probably will not be diving into this at all. But if there is someone that has a little bit of value, Baycott, just with the storyline in general of him getting a little bit injured, I think that there is a path to Baycott getting this award, even if North Carolina does not wind up getting the win. Because with Baycott, he had 20-plus rebounds in each out of the last two contests, 15-plus rebounds in four straight games. Has been nothing short of massive for, versus for North Carolina. And you could wind up having a situation which North Carolina... They take it down to the wire. They wind up losing to Kansas by kind of like 75-73. If you like the over 80-78, to 78. list goes on and on with that. And if Baycock goes out for another 15-15, and 15, he could wind up getting the award even if North Carolina does not wind up winning this game. So I do think that that's something that you do want to be taking a look at. If you're looking for a super long shot, honestly, Christian Brown at 25-1. to 1, That's just a little bit too lofty. I recognize that he's going to need to go completely scorched earth in this game, but I mean, Brown is a guy that really fills up the stat sheet for this Kansas bunch, right around 14 and a half points, five and a half boards, three assists, a steal and a block per contest while shooting 39% from three point range. And I do think that that is why he provides a little bit of value because he can do it in a wide variety of ways. And I just don't think that North Carolina has a guy on their roster that truly matches up well with them. Now, RJ Davis, along with the aforementioned Caleb Love, both of these guys have been tremendous out there in the backcourt. They average a little bit more than 29 points per contest. Both of these guys shoot in the high 30s from three-point range. They give you between 3.6 and 3.7 assists per contest. But I don't know who that matchup against Brown is necessarily going to be. And I think that that's going to be a little bit of a sore spot for this North Carolina bunch. Or North Carolina, in terms of points a lot on a per-possession basis, right around 140th. And Kansas is going to be able to pretty much do what they want on offense, in my opinion. Because... It is a Kansas team that they're not really going to be sped up too much. They're not going to be in a situation where the ball pressure is going to be too much on them because North Carolina, they force a turnover on right around 12 possessions or 12% of possessions in a road and neutral court environment. To put that into perspective, there's 358 D1 teams. That ranks number 357 and the only team that is worth that would be the Citadel. So that is really a tough situation here for North Carolina. It's not that they need to be forcing a turnover on like 50% of possessions or anything like that. But boy, oh boy, when you're 357th out of 358 teams, that's not necessarily ideal. 
Kansas is not a team that's necessarily going to go out there and they're going to force like 30 turnovers in this game or anything like that. But they do a relatively solid job. Oshay Obaji is able to give you right around a seal per contest. And then you've got the guy that has really been able to elevate this Kansas defense. I was mentioning it earlier. 65 points or fewer given up in eight out of their last nine games. And that guy would be Remy Martin. He was absolutely magnificent at Arizona State. And I feel like his emergence has been the biggest of the NCAA tournament for any team because this is a guy that coming into the year, many people thought that he was going to be an All-American candidate. Someone who, while he was at Arizona State last year, averaged 19 points, three and a half assists, a little bit over a seal per contest. Not a great three-point shooter, but a guy that's able to give you a couple threes. And him being able to come in off the bench and give Kansas a six-man is absolutely massive because with North Carolina, they put up just two points off the bench in that final four win against Duke. And that's when Puff Johnson wanted coming in to spell Armando Baycott when he was dealing with that injury that wanted keeping him out for only about two or so minutes in that game. He wanted hitting a pair of three throws. That is about it. North Carolina, they just do not have depth. Meanwhile, Kansas just in general is able to throw at you different looks. They've been playing some very good defense on the stretch. So I do think that North Carolina is going to have a little bit of a tough time with that. If you're looking at player props, there's nothing that I'm not necessarily too bullish on right now because I am someone that I'm looking at this total under because I do think that Kansas is going to be able to do a solid job on defense in this game. And just the New Orleans Superdome having this game played in a converted football stadium, I do think that that is going to affect the shooter's eye a little bit. And just when you wind up getting in bigger situations in general, it is human nature to have these guys slow down a little bit more, try to not screw something up in a big spot. And typically when you say, don't screw it up, don't screw it up, typically you wind up screwing it up. So I do think that there might be some unforced errors in this game on offense as a result. So I would be taking a look at a lot of these player props under. If you take a look at the player prop market in general, with regards to points, you've got a lot of 17 and a half to 16 and a half, like O'Shea Obaji, Brady Manick. They're both at 16 and a half. You've also got... At 17 and a half, Caleb Love, and then you wind up getting into a bunch of like 12 and a half with Christian Braun and Jalen Wilson, both in that fold. I really am not going to be betting on any of these personally. If I'm looking at something that has a little bit of value, Brady Manick at 16 and a half under at minus 105 juice, that's relatively solid. And that's another thing that you've got to be doing with regards to these player props as well, because you'll notice like with the three point shot prop, you've got a lot of very juiced up numbers to say the least. Like, Jalen Wilson, his player prop for threes is at a half, but you'd have to lay minus 250 juice to be able to get there. That's just something that I don't necessarily recommend personally when you wind up having that much juice out there. And keep in mind that this is a case in which, though it is the last game of the college basketball season, going to be plenty of other opportunities. This is not a case in which you need to just fire in on a bunch of prop bets just for the sake of having action. The baseball season is coming back soon. NBA, NHL playoffs are going to be gassed up. And I mean, I know that it sounds a long ways out, but when it comes to college basketball season next year, that's going to be starting up in November. You're going to have over 4,500 games during the season. So don't feel like because this is the last game of the season that you need to wind up just firing in on everything that you wind up seeing. You don't need to wind up diving into markets in which you're not necessarily too comfortable with. I will be sure to keep things buttoned up myself. I'm just going to be going with the side and the total. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I do stand to win a little bit of money with regards to Kansas if they do wind up winning the title with regards to some pools. It's a case in which I still feel very good about Kansas. 
There's going to be no edging from me on that. So I'm going to be laying the points with Kansas in this five. And that is also going to be the DK Nation pick as well. If you're looking for a little bit more insight, I'll be posting this up on my Twitter feed at GNRS41. Wanda making the DK Nation pick the spread in this game. I'm going to be laying it with Kansas. And when it comes to total, I set my total at a 149. So I'm going to be taking a look at an under as well. And I will do it here for the look at. We wound up having a bunch of great guests five in total that wound up joining me so a big thanks to jason Kahn, my wonderful producer for getting everything set up with that and we've got you covered all throughout the day here with this national title game right here on vsin the sports betting network this this at Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.